Father, this morning we come to you. The entrance of your word brings light. Your word is light. You said my word is light. You said my word is life. You said my word is spirit. And today I pray, Father, we will put away everything. That the spirit that raised Jesus up would quicken us. That we would be able to receive your word in our spirit. For God is spirit. And he's seeking worshippers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And worship is not singing. It's a life. Speak to us this morning, Lord. All of us, I need to hear myself. Speak to us. Speak to us. Speak to us. But nothing else will cause us to survive what's happening and what's coming. For you yourself said, if you didn't shorten those days, even the very elect themselves would not be saved. That's how terrible the days ahead are. And we need to hear from you. How to navigate those days that are ahead of us. Give us hearing ears. Touch our ears with the blood of the Lamb of God. Blood for the ears. Salve for the eyes that we may see. Fire for our tongue that we may speak. And when we speak, there is power, there is authority. And God will stand witness to what I say and what your children say in their lives. Speak to us now, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Primarily, I'm continuing rehearsing over and over again the things that we have heard, things that we have learned. Days are terrible. Unless you're absolutely blind and ignorant and you don't even understand what's happening around the world, there is what they themselves call a great reset going on. They are resetting the entire human civilization. And they will not stop at anything. And nobody has any power to resist except the believing church of God. Unless God intervenes, we are hurtling towards what the saints and the prophets had always prophesied. The beginning of the end. Okay, watch what happened in Canada. Watch what happened. It's mind-boggling that nations that were built on freedom and freedom is being trampled. You are not even allowed to protest peacefully. It's a peaceful protest. Mothers and fathers with their children beaten up, trampled by horses. And complete blanket this thing over the media so that you people don't even know what is happening over there. And then they are being told, it's a warning to everybody. You raise your voice against the system, we will freeze your bank accounts. That is the scary part because then you cannot buy or sell. Cryptocurrency is coming to India in the last budget. They're talking about in US. Watch US. Because once it becomes a norm in US, the whole world takes over. 
Remember when that comes in. You cannot buy even a needle without the system knowing it. We are fast moving there. We are moving very fast with the Bible had said. Unless you bend your knee. Bend your knee to the system. You will not be able to buy or sell. You must be absolutely dumb if you think your education will take you through. Your money will take you through. Your influence will take you through. Nothing will take you through except faith. That's why we come to the hearing of the word of God. Because only the hearing of the word of God brings faith. 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 Comes from hearing. And hearing from the word of God. Nothing else will take you through. If you have doubts, go back home and by faith, (laughs) read Hebrews 11 and see how many people's names are mentioned there. By the time you finish Hebrews 11, we are talking about over 4,000 years of human history. How many names are there? Over billions of people who came and gone, who didn't cut the mark. How many names are there? Don't ignore this. You do this at your peril. So remember, we said, the Bible is a spectacular book because it's not an ordinary book. It's a book breathed in by the Spirit of God. The Bible said men wrote it, but they were moved by the Spirit of God. So it's men who wrote it but not men who wrote it. It was the Spirit of God who wrote it through men. And if you think this is debatable, you will wake up at the wrong place when you die. This is not debatable. That's why it does not give you any explanation. You know how the Bible begins? It begins as in the beginning God. In the beginning God. That's how it begins. No explanation. No introduction, nothing. When men do something, you give an introduction. When God does something, it doesn't need an introduction. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's how it begins. And the Bible says everything was dark. Everything was dark. It was void, without form. And the Spirit of God is hovering. And the Spirit of God won't do one thing. Even in your life or my life, he will not do one thing. Because what is he looking for? He's looking for the word of God to come. The word of God to come. He's looking for faith. Even Jesus, wherever he went, he was looking for faith. Even here, what is the spirit of God looking for? Who believes? The word of God says, Jesus was preaching. The hall was packed with people. The power of God was present to heal. One man got healed. Crowd is pushing against him. One woman got healed. Faith. So there it is. Without form. Hovering over the waters. And in the first words God speaks. The first words God speaks is, let there be light. Let there be light. And we know what light means. Ignorance is darkness. Ignorance of God is a killer. It's a killer. People don't die of sickness. People die because they do not know God. People don't die because of poverty. They die because they do not know God. People don't reach hell because they sinned. No, they reached hell because they did not know the Savior. Because heaven is full of sinners who are forgiven. 
Ignorance destroys you. And God says, my people are destroyed because of ignorance. Lack of knowledge of who God is. And the first words he speaks is, let there be light. And there was light. And then he looks at the light in verse 4. He looks at the light. And he says, it is good. Don't say your light is good. Because there's another fellow whose name is Lucifer, who his name means light bearer. And the Bible says he camouflages himself, comes as an angel of light, and he preaches through a thousand channels. A billion channels, voices he has. And he will always bring doubt and question the integrity of God. We looked at that. Why why did Jesus say you have faith in God? Because God has a God of integrity. He never lies to you. He will never change his mind about you. But the devil comes and questions the integrity of God. He questions the heart of God. He questions the character of God. And that's the first words he comes and speaks to mankind is, did God really say? Questioning the integrity of God. And the entire Christian world has swallowed this in and they don't believe in the word of God and they think they are going to heaven. You're not going anywhere. Let me warn you. On the authority of God's word, you're going nowhere. If you don't believe in the word of God. God looked at it and saw it was good. He looked at the light and he saw it was good. God has to look into the light you and I have. And he should say, the light you have, the knowledge you have is good. It is from me. Don't look at your mark sheets. Don't look at your medals. Don't look at your diplomas. God has to look at the light in your head. Like I said, the world is full of fools who have PhDs. Because a fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And most of these highly educated people today are proud to be atheists. You know what God says? Fool! Rich people live as if there is no accounting with God. And God looked at that man and said, you fool! He was rich, making his board meeting decisions, how to increase, how to merge his companies, how to start bigger, bigger bonds, bigger bonds. God said, you fool. Fool. You fool. Don't get fooled. The devil can give you everything you want. And he's after your soul. God is also after your soul. Be very clear. The light you have. Is the light of God. Luke chapter 1 and verse 79. The Bible says. The people who lived in darkness. To give light. John was sent ahead of Jesus. For what? To give light to those who sit in darkness. And the shadow of death. Do you know what ignorance is? If you are living in the ignorance of the living God, you are literally living under the shadow of darkness, of death. Shadow of death. Living in darkness. Living under the shadow of death. And here is a man who has been trained 30 years in the wilderness. Because he looks at the entire of Israel, he cannot find one man who can speak to the nation. Every priest is compromised. Every Levite is compromised. Every ruler is compromised. You cannot trust anybody. So he has to 
pick a prophetically born little child, put him in the desert for 30 years, and the word of the Lord has to come to him, and then he is presented, and he becomes a light. A light. A light. For people who are living in the shadow of darkness, if you are living in ignorance, you are living very, very close to death. So what is the gospel? The gospel is the light of God. And the gospel is the power of God, both. Ephesians 5 and verse 8. It's a very strange rendering in English because this is truth. It says, 5.8, not 1, 5.8. It says, for you were once darkness. It does not say you were in darkness. You were darkness. You were darkness. And now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. You were darkness. You were darkness. And when you got saved, the first thing that came is light came in. You understood who the real God is. Real God is. In Second Chronicles 15, 2 and 3, we looked at it, I think in the pastor's conference, we looked at it. He went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Three fundamental things every person, every family, every nation has to have. For a long time, Israel has been without the true God. It is not that Israel was not without gods. It is not that you are without gods, but without the true God. The knowledge of the true God. Who is the true God? And without a teaching priest. And without law. The principles of how God's kingdom exists. How has he created everything? How does everything function? There is the true God and there has to be in the middle between God and man a teaching priest who teaches you about this true God. How does his kingdom exist? Because his kingdom is coming in one fraction of a second in the twinkling of an eye. The word of God says that kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of this Kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So it is based on laws. It is based on principles. Based on principles. You may learn everything about it. There is nothing in this world in which we are living. Nothing, look around. There is nothing that exists that does not function based on a system of principles or laws. The fan, the electricity, the amplifier, everything that you are using is built on laws. And how do you think the kingdom of God is just vacuum? Which overrules everything else. Which is over and above everything else. Daniel over and over and over said the kingdom of God rules the affairs of men. And if that is true, and if you are smart, like I said, if you are smart, if I were to offer you one taka note, that's the Bangladesh, and one rupee note, and one dirham note, and one dollar note. Which will you take? The dollar. Why? Because it is more valuable. With one dollar is 75 rupees. One dirham is 18 rupees 50 paise. Did you see the difference? Which should you pick? If the kingdom of God is in overall in control of everything else, why do you think God said, seek ye first the kingdom of God? To give us that edge. That advantage. That's the edge. But not just the kingdom of God. His righteousness too. 
Because the scepter of his kingdom is righteousness. Because the devil has imitated, copied the kingdom. He has never created anything. He only is a very good imitator. That's why in Luke you will see 4, 5 to 7. You don't have to go there. He takes Jesus in a twinkling of an eye. He shows him all the kingdoms of this world and their glory. And he says, you know what? I can give it to you. It's all mine. I can give it to you. I can give it to you. Just worship me. Just worship me. Look around the world. Look around any field. Look around the world. Sports. Movies. Music. Industry. Any field. How many people do you see at the top? Very few. What happened? There was an exchange. There was an exchange. I told you why I stopped watching sports. Because I don't trust any one of them anymore. Old days it was a game. Now it's not a game. It's not a game. People are willing to give up anything for fame. For honor. For money. For pleasure. Anything. There's a transaction that is taking place in the spiritual realm. Otherwise you will not rise in this world. It's impossible to rise. There are only two ways you can rise in the world. Either you have worshipped the devil or God is raising you up. There's no way you can rise. That's why we just have a few people who are at the top in every level. And the rest are just slaves. Eat this. Eat this. Eat this and serve us. Take your bonus. We'll give you a name. And you're happy. That's the truth. That's the truth. If you are pursuing that, there is a trafficking that takes place. Go back home and read Revelation 19. When Babylon is destroyed in one hour, the merchants of the earth, the kings of the earth, which had committed adultery with that beast, and that is through which they got their fame and their riches and their prestige, everything, standing back and crying, alas, alas. And you look at what did they trade in. At the end you will say, they traded in the bodies and the souls of men. Souls of men. Traded in the souls of men. Traded in the bodies of men. That's what happens. And you are are absolutely foolish if you are pursuing those things Knowing very well, you are not going to rise. And you are running after those things. When God says, seek my kingdom and my righteousness. My righteousness. Because the devil is not interested in righteousness. He's not interested in righteousness. But he says, I can give you everything. Everything you want in this life. And you know what? A lot of people go for that. A lot of people go for that. So first be very, very sure. We need faith. If you have to walk with God, we need faith. And you know what faith is? We are, we are, we are given these powerful verses in the Bible. My righteous shall live by faith. And my people shall walk by faith and not by sight. I told this. Listen to it over and over again. Sight is a mindset. And faith is a mindset. It's the way you think. It's the way you think. Do you know why the decisions you take? 
It's because that's the way you think. That's the way you think. My sight is a mindset. It's received from this world and all the voices you have heard. That's why one of the first questions when Adam and Eve falls, God comes and asks is, who told you? Who told you? It's a mindset. Before you do something, you need to ask yourself, who told me? Was God there at the beginning? Because he's the author of my faith. Is God there at the beginning? But the Bible begins by saying in the beginning. Was God there? Was his word there? Was his spirit there? Don't come and tell me about revelation. Don't come come and tell me about vision. Don't come and tell me about dream. Don't come tell me about voices. Unless you can prove it to me that it was God who spoke to you. Because he will never go outside the boundaries of his word. Because he himself has said, I have magnified, exalted my word above all my name. Why did he say that in Psalm 138 verse 2? The reason is, everyone will come in the name of Jesus to deceive believers. In the name of Jesus. A prophet comes in the name of Jesus. A preacher comes in the name of Jesus. Everybody comes in the name of Jesus. But the question is, what about the word? Does it agree with the word? Does it agree with the word? Is your your life built on the word? The principles of the kingdom? How God operates? That God will never step outside the word? That his son when he came down in the human flesh, in the human body, he never stepped outside the boundaries of the written word. And he castigated his disciples after he rose from the dead and he said, what are you looking in the scriptures for? The scriptures are about me and I came to fulfill scriptures. I will not step outside the scriptures. I will stay within the boundaries of the scriptures as ordained by my father. If the son of God who was the very word stayed within the boundaries of the word of God, where are we? Where are we walking? Where are we walking? The word of God. In Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, a spiritual principle of the kingdom is given to Joshua. Because Joshua is a type of Jesus. And Israel's conquest of the promised land is a type of the abundant life Jesus has come. The victorious life Jesus has come to give us. And he says, the first thing he says, this book of the law. This book of the law shall not depart. This, in this is the principles of how the kingdom works. These are the principles on how faith operates. These are the laws that govern the kingdom of God. This book of the law. This book, not other books. I keep telling you, it does not matter even if you don't read a single book in your life. But you have read your word. Over and over and over and over and learn. I'm not saying you shouldn't read other books. I'm saying you should read books that supplement the word of God. But this book of the law shall not depart your mouth. You shall meditate upon it day and night. Meditation. That is the psalmist. Salah. Pause. Think. Pause. Think. Pause. Think. Okay, I will preach today. But I will go back and tomorrow morning I will listen to what I preach to hear what God spoke through me, for me. I'm not listening to what I am preaching. I will check whether I made errors. But the second thing I'm looking for is, Lord, in the middle of it, I know you spoke through me, for me. But it's in the word. This book of the law. And you shall be careful to observe, to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way. There is a way. 
There is a way that is prosperous. There is a way that brings success. And it is through the word. And through the word you understand fundamental principles. You heard from Pastor Vijay last Sunday. You heard from Pastor Vijay yesterday. These are the foundation of godly living. Foundations have to be set. They have to be set in concrete. I will not turn to the right or left. Because pressure will come upon you to bear to make compromises in this world. Unbearable pressure will come. And when that pressure comes, you will say, I will not turn. But that's one part. The second part, there is a living. There is a walking. There is a purpose for you and me. Everyone of born of God is born with a purpose. Born with a purpose. In Hebrews 10, 7, when Jesus comes, this is his declaration. When was this declaration made? Between his incarnation. Before he stepped from the spirit into the flesh, there is a declaration that is in the spiritual realm. Nobody knows. Encaptured by the writer of Hebrews and brought into the material, physical realm. This is what he said. Then I said, behold, I have come. When did he say that? We don't know. These are spiritual truths. When he was living, nobody heard this. But it was said, I said, in the volume of the book, it is written. It is written. Go to the written text first. The written text first. It is written. Do you know what is written? Do we know what is written? The Son of God comes and says, in the, he is about whom John says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. And that word comes and says, in the volume of the book, it is written. It is written. Written about whom? About me. And what is it written about? It's written about my purpose to do your will. So if it is written about him who is the head, it is written about you and me who is the body. For what? To do his will. To do his will. Lord, I want to do your will. Lord, I want to do your will. Lord, I want to do your will. Now I am saved, I thank you. But now I want to do your will. Reveal your will for me, Lord. Reveal your purpose for me, Lord. Reveal your ways, O Lord, to me. Reveal. Don't live purposeless lives. Haggai chapter 1, verse 7 and 9. And Matthew 43, Haggai, Haggai. 7 to 9. Thus says the Lord God of Israel. Thus says the God of peace. Thus God says the God of mercy. No, the God of hosts. The captain of the Lord's army. Shabbat. Whenever titles are changed, you need to understand the tone. Because the tone, the tone is determined by the title. Mm-hmm. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I might take pleasure in it and be glorified, said, says the Lord. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. When you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. He says, what about my house? What about my house? The new covenant, we are called the house of God. 
We are called the temple of God. God says, you are so busy pursuing your career, your aim, your dream, everything. He says, what about me? What about the house I said I would dwell? What about my house? What about the temple where I want to live? Let me give you the warning from Matthew 12, verse 43 to 44. Matthew 12, 43 to 44. Let me give you the warning. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. When he, then he says, I will return to my... If you are not the house of God, you are the house of the devil. Because the spiritual inhabits the physical. They are all looking for houses. The spirit of God is looking for a house. The spirits of wickedness is looking for a house. And God says, which one are you building? Which one are you building? Which house are you building? Whose house are you building? The entire Old Testament, you will see, the spirit of God could not stay continuously on a person. Until Jesus came. And when Jesus came, the heavens opened. The Bible says when he was baptized. And the spirit of God descended and abided on him. Because finally he found a house. He found a house. Then everyone who is born of the spirit is building a house for God. What are we building? What are we building? These are fundamental questions we need to ask. Because if Jesus is not building, somebody else is building. They're building construction going on, everybody. This Hyderabad's number one real estate booming city in the in India now. Construction is going on. In the same way, there's construction going on inside. One or the other spirit is building. Because you cannot stop it. The material world, we the physical world, have no power to stop the spiritual world. If you close the door to one, the other will work. If you close the other, then only the other will work. You have no power. If you think you have power over the spiritual world, try stop breathing for five minutes. Try it. Can you see the air you breathe? No. That's Ruwa, spirit. Try stop breathing. No, I can control the spiritual world. Dummy, try stop breathing for five minutes and you will enter into their world permanently. You cannot. You cannot. You cannot stop. Only those who are of God and understand how God's kingdom works have the knowledge and the power to stop them. That's why Jesus says, Behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. You shall trample upon snakes and scorpions and they shall by no means harm you. You can trample upon them. You have to exercise dominion over them. We had prayers about anger. Why? It's a spirit. Anger is a spirit. Are you exercising dominion over anger? Are you exercising dominion over anxiety? Are you exercising dominion over worry? Are you exercising dominion over your body? Over sleep? Because there's a spirit called spirit sleep, some spirit of slumber. Over laziness? Are you exercising these things? Otherwise, do you know who inhabits you? They are living through you vicariously. If you are taking a puff, 
There are two people who are puffing. One you and the other fellow inside. I'm not kidding. If you are drinking, there are two people drinking. One you, the other fellow inside. Everything. That's why Psalm 127, verse 1 and 2 says, Unless the Lord builds, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. Who is building your house? Who is building your house? You labor in vain. They labor in vain who build it, unless the Lord guards the city. It's not enough that he builds, he has to sustain it also. There are a lot of people in the Bible who began by faith and ended, ended up in the other end. Saul, King Saul began in faith and ended up in hell. Because the Lord did not watch over his building. Because after a time, he shifted from the spirit and went in the flesh. And God said, I step back. You continue building. But he didn't realize it was not God who was building. The Bible says the spirit of the Lord left him. And a distressing spirit came upon. Construction is still going on. Construction is still going on. Building is still going on. But the Lord is not building. Another spirit is building. And you see the nature of the man has changed completely now. He's angry. He's wild. He's jealous. He's murderous. What happened to you, Saul? Building is still going on. Only the nature has changed. Because the power has changed. You have to ask yourself. I have to ask yourself, because when the Lord builds, there is rest. When the Lord watches, there is peace. There is peace. Purpose, purpose, purpose. No purpose. Pursue purpose. Seek purpose. Because we have a God who will reveal it to you. We know, we always have told you over and over, look at the greatest man in God's revealed kingdom in the Bible after Jesus. Jesus we know. Paul. One encounter. Lord, who are you? Jesus. Next question. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? It will be told you. It will be told you. Go wait in the city. It will be told you. So whatever you are doing, you are still waiting, you are still seeking, you are still praying, you are still fasting. Say, Lord, show me. Show me, Lord, what I need to do. Show me, Lord. Because you have no purpose. It is in vain to claim promises. The Bible is full of promises. That covers every area of your life. There is not a single area of this construction God is doing in us. The temple that he himself will deal, which is not covered by a promise when you have issues. Everything is covered. But the question is, promises have no meaning if there is no purpose. That's why it's important to find a purpose. Because promises Follow the purpose. Like the spirit follows the word. The anointing follows the word. The power of God is there to heal everybody. But Jesus has to start preaching. Preach the kingdom, heal the sick. 
Not heal the sick and then tell them about the kingdom. No. The kingdom goes first in the word and then comes the anointing. Because the anointing is waiting to see if the word agrees with what is written. Agrees with the person of Jesus Christ. Agrees with the character of God. And then the anointing starts flowing. No word. No anointing. No purpose. What are the promises for? What are the promises for? Don't live in darkness. Don't live in darkness. Don't live in darkness. Because if you live in darkness, you're living under the shadow of death. And in darkness, all kinds of things happen. The devil comes to steal. The Bible says the thief comes in the night. You lose stuff which God has for you because you are living in darkness. Darkness. Darkness also takes time away. Twelve hours of darkness. Twelve hours of day. So if you live in, yesterday we were in Q&A, we are t- telling people, no? Imagine you are 30 years old and your habit has been to sleep eight hours a day. You slept for ten years. You enjoyed those eight hours. The devil also sang a lullaby in your ear and said, So beta, so ja. Ten years he stole. Ten years. Then the next four hours was for watching TV. Or five hours. Fifteen years gone. Restore, restore, God of restoration is coming. He says, I can restore, but can you at least now change your habits? So I can restore, bring order. Would you change? Would you grow? Because there's a nature about light. The book of Proverbs, I forgot, I think it's four or something where it says, light increases for the believer. It keeps on increasing. Light has to increase. We are children of day. Light increases. The sun begins. And the sun gets brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. We have to grow in this light, in this knowledge of God. Yeah. But the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. Brighter and brighter and brighter. And the Bible says Jesus was like that until his, in his obedience he was made perfect. And then he became the author of salvation. Brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter growing in the knowledge of God. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Let's have verse 2. Verse 2 first. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Savior. What do we need? Grace. What is that? The insurpassable power of God. Which is sufficient to all your needs. The power of God. Peace. That's what everybody is looking for. But how is it multiplied? God doesn't add. He multiplies. God does not add. He multiplies in the knowledge of God. We need the knowledge of who this God is. Who is this? How does he function? 
That's the prayer of Moses, the wisest man who came out of Egypt. Bible says he was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, mighty in words, mighty in deeds, humbly standing before God and says, Lord, show me your ways. We looked at that. The fundamental attitude needed before you will receive the knowledge of God. It is called meekness. People came and asked Jesus for many things. But one thing Jesus told his disciples, learn from me. Learn from me. Learn from me. I am meek and lowly. It's an attitude. That's one thing God said will not be taken from Mary. He says, Martha, 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 you are worried about so many things. Here is a solution sitting in your house. You are not able to get one thing into your head that will solve your problems, but that one thing will not be taken from Mary. Look at her. She is seated at my feet. It's not enough to be seated. You have to be seated at his feet. You can sit in your chairs, but God is not looking where you are sitting. He's looking at your heart, how you are seated, because only the meek he can teach. James will say, with meekness receive that engrafted. Engrafted. Meekness. Without meekness, you, God cannot speak to you. That is what happened to US. You look into US. The majority of the believers in US haven't finished high school. They're working. They haven't finished high school. Because the more you get educated, Unbelief and doubt comes. Because the education system, the creator has been taken out. Not like the old days where the creator was in the center of education. Now the creator has been. You look at the entire COVID thing. Follow the signs. Follow the signs. But when science goes wrong, who apologizes? Nobody. Science won't apologize. Because science will come, come back and tell an uh, excuse. We are still learning. <laughs> God never comes and says, I'm sorry, I am learning. God is not a man, he should lie. God is not a man, he should lie. He's not the son of man that he should repent. But follow the signs. And now science is saying the whole masking thing was useless. Actually, the locking up increased mortality rate. You take the vaccine, you will not get COVID. Everybody got. Take the second one, you will not get. Everybody got. Take the booster, again people got. So what was the vaccine? Quietly changing the narrative. Changing the narrative. Follow the signs. And you become very scientific minded and you are very proud about it. And God says, you know what? You will die in your darkness. You will die in your darkness. Because true education is the knowledge of the creator and not about creation. Daniel stood alone in his company because he knew his God. And Daniel prophesies, they who know their God will do mighty deeds. Know their God. Because in every crisis in those 12 chapters of book of Daniel, whenever there was a crisis where all of science of that time could not handle, there was a man of God who heard from God. And he said, this is the solution. Because where science stops, faith begins. Only beginning. The end of science is the beginning of faith. Not the end of it, the beginning of it. Get this clear. Get that this clear. First Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 11. 
You know what? Children, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. Can we have it? Yes. 13.11 When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. How do you think about? How do you think? Faith-wise, how do you think? Have you put away childish things? Have you put away childish things? Look to the pattern about God's own son. I love that. Luke 2 and verse 52. Luke 2 and verse 52. I want to look at that verse. If you didn't remember the rest of the message, look at Luke 2, 52. How God's son, life was defined by his father on earth. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and favor with man. First thing, he increased in wisdom, not just stature. There are a lot of people who have increased in stature, but they have the brains of a child. Therefore, they don't put away childish things because they never increased in wisdom. The knowledge of God, the understanding of God, and able to replicate it from practice continuously, that is wisdom. He increased in wisdom, not just in stature. Not in stature. The problem is, if you increase in stature and not in wisdom, and people look at your stature and they will misunderstand that you have wisdom. God doesn't make those mistakes. Why is that a young man, you see him on the streets, driving a 50k, 70k bike with his helmet in his hand, with one hand and ringing? You know why? Because he increased in stature, but he never grew in wisdom to be able to have that bike. He got it before his time because he did not grow in wisdom. Today's generation, the problem is you're possessing things before time because you're only growing in stature. You're not growing in wisdom. Therefore, you are not able to utilize those things. It neither brings you glory nor brings God glory. It's just vain glory. That's not how God's son grew. And that's not how we are asked to grow. You look at the entire education system or whatever companies you're working in. Let me ask you, who asks for wisdom? The only one skills. You're all, every one of you is hired by your companies for skills, technical skills. Just skills. That's all the world is asking for. We don't want wisdom. You just want skills. You just have skills and you don't have wisdom. We will tell you how to live. The kingdom of God, it doesn't work like that. The kingdom of God, first you grow in wisdom. And then grow in stature. When you are five years old, you should have the wisdom of a five-year-old child as determined by God. When you are 12 years old, you should be at 12, you as a Jewish boy, you are entering into a stage where you will be recognized by the society. At 12, you should have the wisdom as God had ordained for a 12-year-old boy. And at 12, it is said, he was listening and he was asking questions and they were amazed at his understanding. And when his mother came and, son, why did you do this? He asked his mother, didn't you know I was attired to be at my father's business? At 12. His stature and his wisdom matches. His stature and his wisdom matches. See, when God has to prosper his people, 
God says grow. God says grow. Otherwise you will be building your own house. You will struggle. You will be miserable. And you will say, Lord, I am your child. What is happening? God will say, you are not growing. You are not growing. I need a... Yes, Mahender, come. I shall introduce you to the world today. Mahender, Gopi. Yes, you three come here. And you also come here. Tanishk also come here. Come, come, come. Four of you come here. You stand here, okay? Because children, no? They understand illustrations. You stand here. Your honor. What are you? Honor. Honor. Your glory. Your riches. Okay? Your, what you call promotion. Okay? You know how the world goes? I want honor. I want honor. So let me see how many tweets I have. How many people follow me. Honor me. Honor me. Honor me. You are what? Glory. I want glory. So you know what? I will spend all my money to furnish my outward being. So people will look at think and think inside I have glory. And you are what? Riches. I will try every shortcut matter to make riches. I will bargain for anything because I need money. And you are what? Promotion. That's not how God said. That is not the process. This is the process. God said, increase in wisdom and stature. You increase. Come here. Honor meets me. I don't follow honor. Honor meets me because I have increased in wisdom and stature. Who are you? Glory meets me. Riches meets me. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. These things will meet you on the way. You don't have to struggle for these things. They are appointed unto you God's way. You just do what I tell you to do. All these things will be added to you alive. That is not what the world teaches us. The world teaches waste pursuing these things. Thank you. Do you know why we have no rest? You want all these things. And God wants to give you all these things. But God says, your method is wrong. You are not growing in the things which I asked you to grow. I told you to grow in wisdom. I told you to have favor with God first. These things will meet you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. These things shall be added. Instead, we are busy running after the adding. And we are restless, waking up early in the morning and working till late in the night. No rest, no success, no peace, no joy. And then we come to Sunday and the worship leader has to use a whip. Raise your hands, raise your hands, worship the Lord. I don't feel like worshipping. Are you, are you, are you getting the picture? That is the way it is. We have to grow. Jesus grew. He didn't have to seek anything. He only sought his father. He kept his eye on his father. And he said, Father, I will do what you have called me to do. And all these things will meet me on the way I go. That is how it works. You will have favor with God. You will have favor with men. Men you need will meet you. 
You don't have to go search for them. They will meet you. They will meet you. God has appointed. If you are in the center of God's will, I'm telling you, God has appointed men and women in your life who will meet you to take you along in your destiny. He will take you along. You don't have to struggle for these things. You have to keep your eye on God. That's why he said, seek ye first, not second, not third. Not first, not second, not third. First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things. Look at Deuteronomy 28, verse 1 and 2. Where's any, any difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament? Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all these commandments which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth, and verse 2, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. can't run faster than my blessings, he says. It will overtake you. You have to do one thing. You watch my word. Look at my commandments. Understand what it means and obey. And I will give you directions. And as I tell you directions, you do it. You do it. If you don't do it, God says, you know what? You will be always struggling for things which are free. You know what a waste of time struggling for things which are free? Which are free? Riches are free. Honor is free. Glory is free. Strength is free. All these are free. That's why when they came to collect taxes, Jesus asked Peter, do kings or king's sons pay taxes? He said, no, but actually they live off taxes. But he says, for their sake, righteousness sake, you go. There's a fish over there. First fish, open its mouth. There is a coin. Take the coin, then eat the fish. Don't eat it before the coin will get stuck in your throat. You get that coin, pay the taxes. You look at it, how he's... How is, why do you discount these miracles? My question is, why do you discount miracles? Do you think God has changed? God is showing through the life of his son and the life of all the others who went before him and after him through that, you know what? I haven't changed. What we call miracle is natural in God's kingdom. It is natural for those people who believe. They are not afraid. They are not afraid. Because they know their God. They are not afraid. Faith is not a leap in the dark. It is a walk in the light. Sight is a leap in the dark. There is no guarantee. Tell me one investment in the current market which can guarantee you 100% returns for 10 years. Nothing. That's why they print these things and that small print you cannot read. That small print you have to read with. It is statutory warning telling you we guarantee you nothing. Market risk is such small print. You need a magnifying lens to find out. They should put it in this thing, no? But that's not God's word. God's word says nothing is impossible with God and nothing is impossible with him or her who believes. And we had a question about that yesterday. They said, don't run away with it. It means for God, all things are possible. For me, all things which God wants me to do according to will for me is possible. Even his own son did not do all things because there was no need to do that. He did what he was called to do. If God has called you to do something and you understand and his will, you will be able to do it 100%. All you need is faith and obedience that comes by faith. And these things will be added on the way. 
everything. So don't walk in that false light. There is a false light out in the world. Absolutely false. Because Lucifer is called torchbearer, light bearer. And he has manipulated it, everything. Everything. And we don't understand that. We will struggle. So God asked this question. Whose house are you building? Whose house are you building? Are you growing? Keep these things. Are you growing? You look into one thing I want to show you. First Samuel chapter 17 verse 39. In illustration to what I told. David fastened his sword to his armor, tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. He's a very honest young man. He says, you know what? I haven't grown to use this. If he had won this and gone to war, he would have been killed. That's what I said. You should never possess anything before your time. Before you know, I have the maturity to handle this. This thing will not. You know what some of you are getting struggling in your marriage? It's not because you are not old enough to get married, but you do not grow enough to get married. You're old enough, more than old to get married. In stature, not in wisdom. Not in wisdom. Do you know why you struggle in your job places? It's not that you don't need a job. But you did not grow to understand how the kingdom works. How the kingdom works. You need to understand these fundamental principles. Because work was ordained by God. By God. And if you are building his house, wherever you are, there is a building that is going on that is spiritual. If you are building that house, there is an anointing for that. I want to show you a few portions. It's very interesting. Exodus 35, 30 and 31. 30 and 31. Moses said to the children of Israel, See, the Lord has called by my name Bezaliel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. 31. And he has filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and all manner of workmanship. What are they? Artisans. Carpenters, metal workers, full of the spirit of God and wisdom. Why? Because they are building the house of God. Did you see that? You have spirit of God, the spirit of wisdom, spirit of understanding. In any field you go, if you are focused on building the house of God. Even more funny. Verse 25 and 26. These are the women. 35, 25, 26. All the women who were gifted artisans spun yarn with their hands and brought what they had spun of blue, purple, scarlet and fine linen. 26. All the women whose hearts stirred with wisdom spun yarns of goats of hair. Can you believe it? They have the spirit of wisdom resting upon them as they are using goat's yarn because they are making coverings for the house. So neither the men nor the women are exempted. God says, you know what? If you are building my house, 
no job is menial. They will see my hand upon your life. They will see my hand upon your life. Your Gentile bosses will not able to ignore and say, that is his God. Joseph was just a slave and he was a prisoner. The Bible says God was with him. And the Spirit of God was upon him. And he had wisdom and understanding to do his job. Otherwise, how can a 17-year-old Jewish boy who was a shepherd suddenly become the head of Egypt's, one of his, the largest households, the captain of the royal guard? How can he be in charge of the entire household, estate, farm, everything? How did he? Because he had something resting upon him which did not come from worldly education. Because he was very clear what he was building. What are you building? We are trying to tell you. You can drum it in your heads and you still go back and go back to the old ways of thinking. I am telling you, sight is a way of thinking. It's a mindset. Faith is a mindset. And it's through faith, the Bible says, they subdued kingdoms. It is through faith they wrought righteousness. It is through faith they shut the mouth of the lions. It is through faith they escaped the flames. It is through faith they escaped the edge of the sword. It is through faith women got their dead back. Through faith. Because by sight if they had gone, the kingdoms would have subdued them. Unrighteousness would have taken over. They would have died in the flames. Sword would have taken their heads off. But they overcame by faith. Because it's a mindset. It is a mindset. It is a mindset. And you have to have this mindset. Otherwise, you know, start from the scratch if you have to. If you want God to restore your life, your homes, your marriages. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Two things here. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And two, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Okay, now go back to one. There is Jesus who is the author and the finisher, the perfect example. But before him and after him, there is a cloud of witnesses. What are they? What are these people? Witnesses of what? Of the life of Christ. How the life of Christ has to be lived. So if you look into the Bible, you see a principle in the Bible. There is a pattern in the Bible. If there is a principle in the Bible, there is a life you can study that fits in with the pattern. So you know, this is theory. This is practical. There are patterns. The cloud of witnesses through whom we study. Pattern. From the first man onwards, it's a pattern. So we learn from Jesus because all of them entirely is composed in Jesus. But we learn from all of them. That is how through scripture we get our encouragement and our endurance. Because we look at them and we understand this is the pattern. Come to Genesis uh, chapter uh, 2 and verse 15. 2 and verse 10, uh, 15, 15. Then God, Lord God put the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. First pattern set for men. Your identity, your honor, your respect, your esteem comes from your work. Comes from your work. Woman is not there. Woman is not there. She has not been created yet. 
So God put man and he put something into man. His default setting is that from your work, you will receive your honor. From your work, you will receive your esteem. From your work, you will receive your purpose. I have ordained a work for you. So it does not mean the same thing when a man says something and a woman says something. When a woman says, I love you, the man says, but you don't honor me. So when you tell her, why don't you honor her? You will, she will say, go and work. When a man says, I love you, the woman says, but you don't make me secure. The language is not the same. It is different. You learn from the first man how God ordained everything. That's why God does not tell the woman, if a woman does not work, let her not eat. He says, let the man not eat. Yet God gives everything free. In the Garden of Eden, everything was free. They did not have to work to eat. But he says, you have to work because that's your nature. That's your call. Because God is at work. And men need to understand that. We need to understand fundamentally, I have to be a worker as long as I am not a worker and I have to find my purpose and I have to fulfill my purpose. When I don't do that, I'll be always empty. I'll be always a miserable man. That's why if you look in Genesis chapter 3, if I'm right words, uh, 17 to 19, when man fell, in sin, what does God do? He said to Adam, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat this. Curse is the ground for your sake. What did he curse? He cursed the ground on which he works. He says, you know what? You will get nothing out of it. You'll be a miserable man all the days of your life. You will rise up early in the morning. You will walk late in the night. But you will come back in anger, frustration. You work and you work and you work. And even if you prosper and prosper like Solomon, you will ultimately end up by saying, vanity, 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 vanity. Because I made you. I know who you are. You cannot escape your default settings. That is your settings. So he comes back in resurrection and in the new creation in Ephesians 2.10 and says, you know what? I'm restoring it in a different way. Now you are God's workmanship, creator in Christ Jesus for good works. Now these are the works of faith. Now when you start working, then God tells you what to do. You are no longer looking at the result because the result is irrelevant because you never know when the result will come. But now the work gives you satisfaction because God is working with you. Working with you. Otherwise you're just, you will just be frustrated all your life. Frustrated all your life. The call is to the man. The purpose of the call is to the man. And man has been called to do it. And aiding him is the wife. The wife's entire purpose is to aid that purpose. And women have to get in. I am not going to marry somebody who does not have purpose in his life. I'm going to marry a man who has a purpose, a God-given purpose. Then I will fit into it. Then I become complete. He becomes complete. Look into Isaiah 51 and verse 2. Look to Abraham your father, to Sarah who bore you, for I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. Why look unto Sarah? There's no woman 
mentioned in the Old Testament, we should look unto X by name, except Sarah. Why Sarah? Because she understood the call of God upon her husband's life. She didn't understand it fully, but she understood my entire purpose is to fulfill the call of my husband. So twice she was willing to die to fulfill his purpose. That's why God tells women, holy women, look unto Sarah. When Abraham is the one who has got the call and the purpose, I shall bless you, I shall make you all this. When famine hits and this man fearfully is going into Egypt and he looks at Sarah and says, Sarah, you are beautiful. They will kill me for your sake. Please tell them you are my sister. She says, your purpose will not die. If I have to die for your purpose, I will die. But the purpose will remain alive because she understood purpose. That's how why their marriage is the only marriage celebrated in the entire Bible. Because she understood purpose. This was a couple of purpose. You want restoration? Find purpose. And if you find your purpose, join in with the purpose and work together. This is my purpose with God. I'm not talking about your job. I'm talking about your purpose in your job. In your job you have a purpose. That is how it works. There's no time to get married randomly. Kingdom purpose and those who are already married go before God and say, Lord, find my purpose. Because once you find your purpose and you grow in your purpose, things starts getting added onto you. Things starts getting added onto you. You don't have to worry about these things. It will be added onto you. The things you need, the people you need, you will always have favor. Like I said, you don't need favor with all men. You just need favor with a few men. Joseph needed favor with four men. Father, Potiphar, prison warden, Pharaoh. Four men in his entire life. He didn't favor need with favor. But because he was growing and because he was walking with God, at the appropriate time, he always had favor with the right man. And therefore, he fulfilled his destiny. Do you know why he fulfilled his destiny? Because he never turned to the left, right from that purpose. And there is not a single child of God here who does not have a purpose. Everybody has a purpose. Nobody here. But if you're following what the world offers, one day you will be an empty, miserable person. Grow old, not doing what to do. That's not the Bible. Shall be like a tree planted by the river, by the water, bearing fruit in old age. Old age is the best age. You may not grow in stature. You may actually shrink in stature. But you can grow in the wisdom of God. That's why even the secular system understands this. You know what? In every other system in India, you retire at 55, 58. Except in universities, it is 62. And again, they extend them. Professor Emeritus, because they know in stature this man has shrunk, but in wisdom he has much more to offer at the end than at the beginning. If the world acknowledges that, how much more the kingdom of God? How much more the kingdom of God? We don't want to be a worldly wise man. We want you a kingdom wise man. That's Jacob. That's Jacob. Abraham forgot, lost purpose towards the end of the journey. Married Keturah after Sarah is dead, created another six more generation uh, nations, which will become a hindrance to his son Isaac, the child of the promise. Isaac got into food, forgot his purpose, lived without purpose for another 48, 50 years. No purpose, not Jacob. 
He finds purpose. Once he knows Joseph is alive, the Bible says he arose. Once you know the Jesus you hear every day is alive and well, he has not changed. It doesn't matter. Arise and say, I will go and fulfill my purpose. Your age is irrelevant. Age is irrelevant. Age is irrelevant. And you look at Jacob at the end of his age, even on the last day of his life, his stature, he's only able to lift himself from the bed. He's probably completely blind, but he calls and says, sons of Israel, come and listen to what your father has to say. And he blesses his 12 children and he prophetically speaks over his children. And because Jacob prophetically spoke over a child, we were able to bless a child 5,000 years later because one man saw in his last day. He could call a name Usher, a child Usher, and talk about this Usher that he shall bring bread and royal dainties. Who saw it? Jacob on his last day. Because he grew. It is not an option in the kingdom of God. It is a compulsory subject in the kingdom of God. You shall grow. You shall grow. You shall grow. If you don't grow, all that God has for you, don't be wasted. Somebody will find it. There's no waste in God's kingdom. Pick up the fragments. No waste in God's kingdom. He will find somebody else. That is Mordecai's warning to Esther. Don't sit there and think you will escape. But if deliverance does not come from you, it will come from another person. If Mary does not say, let it be unto me according to thy word, another virgin will be found from the household of David who will say yes. God is never without a witness. Don't ever think, Elijah, you are the only one surviving. There are 7,000 others you do not know of. I know who haven't bent their knee to Baal. Never ever think God can do without you or me. If we are not available, he will find somebody else who is available who will run better than us and finish his purpose. He will finish my purpose and his purpose also. Understand these things. You may shorten God's hand in your life by your unbelief. Somebody will lengthen God's hand by his Belief and say, Lord, let it be unto me according to your word. Keep growing. Keep growing. If you are a worship leader, you are in the worship team and you realize this is my passion. It is not enough. Keep growing. Keep growing. Keep growing. Wake up early in the morning. Worship for an hour. Worship for an hour. Worship for an hour. Lord, I want new songs. I want fresh anointing. I want more anointing because I realize this at the core of it. I'm working here. I am working there. I have a job. But I know, Lord, this is what I have been called to build your house. And you know, Lord, I am not going to rest on my laurels. I am not going to rest. I am not going to rest. If you believe you have been called to be an intercessor, yesterday's question about intercession, I said intercession is a seed planted in the spiritual realm. When you pray every time as the spirit moves, you are planting a seed which will bring forth fruit. So intercessors are powerful in the kingdom of God. You are planting seeds. So if you are intercessor, you will say, Lord, I am not satisfied with my intercession. I am not satisfied with my anointing. There is no status quo in the kingdom of God. Because if you are not growing here, remember on the other side they are growing. Other side the weeds are growing. If the wheat doesn't grow, that doesn't mean the tares will not grow. You have to grow. There is no choice. So whatever you know 
is what God has called you to do. And because it is this God and a great God and almighty God, there is nothing menial you can do for him. Nothing menial. Whatever it has called you to do, you will say, Lord, increase me, Lord. Increase me in this. I want to increase. I want to grow. And all that, you, all those who are married, the women especially, pray for your husband. Lord, let him find purpose. Don't make the mistake of Rebecca. Circumventing order. You will run into trouble with God. All Rebecca had to do. See, Rebecca was the one who was wise. Was wise. You see, in Genesis, uh, where they had these two kids, I think it is Genesis. Uh, let let me give it to you. I want you to look over there. You know, you can begin wise and end foolish. Twenty six. No, not 26, 25, 27. Genesis 25, 27. Look at it. <clears throat> so the boys grew, but they did not grow the same way. The boys grew. They did not grow the same way. One was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, but Jacob was a mild man dwelling in the tents. They did not grow the same way. They grew differently. One was always out. One was always in. Why was one in? Because the mother kept him in. Not the father. The mother. The father sent one out. The mother kept one in. Why did the mother keep him in? Because she heard when she had conceived that the younger is the one who is called of God. So the boy's purpose was defined even before he was born. So purpose defined the choices the parents made. The father was not interested. But the mother is the one who is interested. So you know what she did? She kept Jacob where? Dwelling in the tents. And what does the book of Hebrews says? Abraham lived in the land of promise. Dwelt along with Isaac and Jacob in the tents. Where did the mother keep him? In the tents. I've told you many times, but listen again. When Isaac, Esau and Jacob was born, Isaac was 60 years old. So Abraham was 160 years old. When Abraham died, he was 175 years old. So for 15 years, who was there in the tent? Abraham, the father of faith, who had heard the call of God, who had walked out of Ur of Chaldeans, who had crossed in the promised land, who had met God at different altars, altar after altar, who had been defined purpose by God, who had walked the land, had experience of feeding God in his tent. This boy is listening while the other fellow is out hunting. Hunting. Therefore, Jacob and Esau did not grow the same way. Did not grow the same way. One grew in the world, became a mighty hunter. One was a mild man, but he was growing in faith and he would fulfill the purpose. Let me ask you this question. Do you know any descendant of Esau today? No. Go over there. Israel is still there. Israel is still there. Israel is still there. Understand these things. Understand. If you put the spiritual second, 
you will never fulfill God's purpose. Because God is a spirit. God is a spirit. And you can very clearly, practically, at a material, physical level, know what is spirit. First is the word of God, is spirit. My word is spirit. Second, prayer has to become spirit. Prayer has to. Fasting, I told you, all these things are spirit. You have to reach where these things become spiritual. It is not enough to read the word. It is not enough to memorize the word. It is not enough to understand the word with your human reasoning. It has to become spirit. Then it becomes life. And it won't happen in one day or two days. God has to see that you are serious. Because like I said, God is serious about you. The question is not whether God is serious about you. No doubts. Look at the cross. The question is whether you are serious about God. One day, two days after that, they give up. God knows who are serious. I told you, one man reads or gets a vision. He reads scripture. He gets a revelation. He doesn't fully understand it. He goes on a 21-day fast because he's disturbed about a scripture. Who in this community has ever fasted to understand something of God? This is Daniel. An express delivery Gabriel is sent. And Michael has to send. Two archangels sent because to reach a man, a revelation. Two archangels sent for a man to receive a revelation because you are told, Daniel, you are much loved by God. He sees you at the top of Babylon, Satrap over 136 provinces, stretching from India to Jerusalem. We see you sitting there with a lamp in your old age, searching, searching. Ah, book of Jeremiah, 70 years of captivity is over. I can't go back, but my people can go back. I need to fast. I need to pray. I need to cry out. I am too old to go back. That does not mean the next generation cannot go back. A man who contented with God. God is sending angel after angel after angel to give him revelation. You know why? His prayer became spirit. And his revelation becomes revelation. It is spirit. We are still trying to break our head over the book of Daniel and still not getting it. Still not getting it. Only in eternity we will fully understand the book of Daniel. Even though it was sealed and opened. You know why? It was given to a man who prayed. Man who prayed. It's a worship spirit. Beaten, broken, thrown, not into prison. Even in prison we won't leave you alone. Thrown into a rocky little prison island called Patmos. They said John the, John the Apostle was put in boiling oil, but he did not die. Because God had told he will not die that way. So he will, doesn't die. So he is in this, in, imagine this old man must be almost in his nineties. Old man. How does the book of Revelation come? Over one line. It's an entire line. Like Daniel's book is entirely centered around one decision this young man makes at the age of 17. Daniel purposed in his heart, I will not defile myself. Entire book of Revelation is on one line. I, John, was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Imagine this old man singing whatever songs he had sung. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Singing a hymn and he must be remembering. I remember this hymn 70 years ago, 8 years ago. We sung that with Jesus as he was going to be arrested. I remember this song. We had sung. Can you imagine his memory? 
and he's singing and he's singing. Suddenly he's in the spirit and he hears a voice like a trumpet. Now worship has become spirit. Prayer has become spirit. Fasting becomes spirit. Word becomes spirit. And God is looking for people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Truth. So you have to look at fundamental. Don't go into the world and say, I am gender confused. You know who you are. Are you a man or a woman? First, be sure. What am I? I'm a man. I'm a woman. Go to Genesis chapter 2 and find out what is a man? What is a woman? What did God say? Man, you will be defined by your work. Woman, you will define his work. You are a helper. You are the helper. You are the helpmate. You need to marry a man with a vision. If the man does not have a vision, pray he gets a vision and then tell him, I stand by you all the way. I have to die. I will die. But I am there with you all the way. That's mine. I'm not starting anything on my own. My job is to stand beside you and by you. Understand purpose. Otherwise you will become a hindrance to the purpose of God in your home. Hindrance and the purpose of God. Because every girl is pursuing a career. It's good until you get married. After that, ask him. Before getting married, ask God, who should I marry? And God tells, find out what has God called him to do. And then tell him, here I am. Here I am. This is my job. I found my purpose. Look unto Abraham. Look unto Sarah who bore you. Him alone I called. Meaning, there was only one calling. Not husband and wife with two callings. Him alone I called. Sarah followed. Him alone I called. Men, get on your knees in your prayer closet. Start seeking the calling of God. Young men, find it early. Don't waste your years and years running after vain things. Let me tell you, go read the book of Ecclesiastics. You will never reach even 1,000 of what that man acquired. So waste, don't waste your time. He got it all and was empty. There was nothing he did not pursue. If the pursuit of these things can bring happiness, Solomon should have been the most happy man. He began well, ended terribly. Terribly. Began so well. I am little child when God appears. Ask me anything. He says, I am little child. You showed mercy to my father David. Put me on the throne. I am a child. I cannot know how to go out. Come in. God was so pleased. Meekness of heart. And he said, please give me understanding and wisdom because these people are too numerous. They belong to you. Give me wisdom and understanding to judge. God said, I am so pleased with your answer. I will give you everything else. But then he used that to go after the demonic. That's why it's not enough. You have to keep on growing. Keep on. I am 40 years old, Lord. Lord, I need to grow in wisdom. Not only, Lord, I need favor with you at 40. I had favor at 30. Now I don't realize. I No, I am 60. I need favor. I am 70. I need favor. I need the wisdom of 70. I am not going to grow in stature anymore. But does not matter. I need favor at 80. I need favor at 90. 
And how do you do that? By focusing on God. It will find you. You don't have to worry about these things. You put God first, everything will find you. Is there no one else in the house of Jesse? Is there no one in the house of Jesse? Seven sons passed through. Is there nobody else left? Father says, well, the youngest one is in the field. Bring him. You know what the prophet says? We will not sit. Not I will not sit. We will not sit until he comes. Here comes the little shepherd boy, smelling of goat. All the others dressed, washed, smelling of fresh anointed oil, everything. God says, arise, anoint him. Did he have to go search for anything? No. All he did was grow in wisdom and grow in stature. Grow in wisdom, grow in stature. And the anointing met him. He did never have to run after anointing. Anointing came. All the tribes of uh, Judah and Benjamin all came to Hebron and anointed him. Seven years later, all of Jerusalem came and anointed him. Do you know that he never had to run for anointing? He only had to do one thing. Do what God called you to do. I will grow. I will grow. I will grow. Anointing will follow me. It will come. I will have favor. Wherever I go, I will have favor. I will have favor. And wherever he went, he had favor. People didn't even know him. When? He takes Goliath's head off. Saul asks, who is that young man? Abner says, I also don't know who this is. Let me inquire. Just because he's been taken in the king's service, you think king knows you by name. King doesn't know you by name. You're one among many. Oh, he's Jesse's son. David. Next thing, Jonathan comes, takes his girdle, takes his robe, takes his bow, gives him favor. Did he go? No, Jonathan came to him. The crown prince comes to him and meets him. Saul put him in charge of thousand. The Bible says they loved him. How can a 17 year old boy, 18 year old boy command a troop of hardened veterans and they love him? Favor. Because he's growing. King's daughter looks at him. She loves him. How can a princess love a shepherd boy? Favor. Everywhere he went, he had favor. There were people appointed by God into his destiny. All he had to do was keep growing, keep growing, keep growing, keep growing. You don't run after the things which are free. Pursue the things which are not free. Buy from me, God says, gold refined in fire. Buy from me. There are certain things you have to buy. It doesn't come easy. You have to buy. The bridegroom was late. And because the bridegroom was late, they ran out of oil. And the Bible says they went out to buy oil. So oil has to be bought. It has to be bought. You have to pay a price. To be willing to pay a price for the things of God. That is the right price to pay. Instead of paying price over stupid things. Stupid things. Think about these things. Focus on these things. Keep your heart and mind on these things. Because it is by faith and faith alone. Anybody who comes to God must believe that he is. And is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If you don't believe it, don't seek him. But if you believe it, seek him. 
All the great men of God, they sought him and he, they rewarded him. Patterns in the Bible. Patterns in the Bible. Set from the beginning for a person, man, for a woman, for a marriage, for a home. Don't worry about the mess ups you meant. Go back and say, Lord, you said, you said, you said, you said, you said. Turn to Genesis 21 as we close. As we close in the next 30 minutes. Just joking. I mean, why are you blaming me? Even Paul will say finally and then go right to chapters. I learned. I will blame him when I reach that. I learned it from you. Uh, sorry, not 21. It is our young lady, Hager. Uh, 21? Yeah, 14. So Abraham rose early in the morning, took bread, a skin of water, put it on her shoulder, he gave it and the boy to Hagar and sent her away. Heartbreaking for the father, he has to turn the kid out and the mother out. God said, listen to your wife Sarah. That doesn't mean you should not listen to your wife. When God says, listen to your wife Sarah, listen. But this time, you are emotional because that's your son and she's hearing from me because she's attached to my purpose. She has never missed purpose. Go through Sarah. Sarah never misses purpose. When famine came, I will die for your sake because the promise is to you. Even if I die, another woman can give you the seed. But I cannot produce the seed without you. But you are the one who is important. So if the king takes me, I am gone. You continue with your purpose. Ten years in the promised land, I am not birthing the purpose. Will you take this maid because the promise is to you. Maybe the purpose can be generated through another woman. She never misses purpose. The man misses, the woman never misses and she's standing beside him and pushing him and pushing him and pushing him. And then when Isaac comes and she sees Ishmael mocking Isaac, she realizes this fellow will destroy God's purpose. So she says, Ishmael needs to go. I have to protect purpose. At every level you look. Why do you think in First Peter chapter 3, Sarah is exalted by the word of God? Look unto her because she understood purpose and was willing to take tough and strong decision. Even sometimes when it was wrong because she did not understand the ways of God. But those decisions were taken keeping the purpose of God in the middle. It is not like Hannah crying, my co-sister-in-law is mocking me. I also want a child. God didn't even listen to her. Sarah's cry is not that. Sarah's cry is connected with the purpose of God in a husband's life. Now, here is Hagar going. And Hagar is going with the son. He sends her out. We, some of you know this. The rest of you listen. And took the water skin. Was um, Yeah, let's read verse 14 completely. Yeah, sent her away. She departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. Why is she wandering? I told you. People who wander in life are people who do not have purpose. You know, Cain was a man without purpose. Because he would never receive correction. One thing Cain did not have was a meekness of spirit. So he would never receive correction. Nobody could talk to him. Therefore he wandered all his life. Here is she wandering. She's wandering here. So yeah, come. And then verse 15. And the water in the skin was used up. She placed the boy under one of the shrubs. She went and sat down across from him at the distance about a bow short. For she said to herself, let me not see the death of the boy. Boy. So she sat opposite him and lifted her voice and she wept. Mother there, a bow short would be like around 500 yards. And there, the boy is sitting. And two of them are crying. And look at the next verse. 
And God heard the voice of the lad. He didn't hear the voice of the mother. This is why I said be very careful. Because when he was 13 years old, when the Lord appeared to Abraham, he says, circumcise every male member of your house, born in your house. Ishmael is part of the covenant. Hagar, the Egyptian, is not. So the problem may be same. But if you're not of the part of the covenant, when you cry, the true God doesn't hear your cry. He hears the one of the covenant. Here's the word. So be very sure you are saved and under the new covenant because when you pray, you need an answer. You know who answers? It is the God of the covenant who answers. That's why but Bible says in Genesis, uh, Exodus 2, you don't have to go over there. When the children of Israel groaned under the slavery, God heard their groaning and remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Do you think at that time, maybe around 4,000 years ago or more, the entire world was under slavery? There was not a single nation that was not being ruled by thugs and tyrants and kings and the whole world was under slavery. But only one cry, one set of slaves cry was heard by the living God because they were under covenant. There is a covenant. And there is power in the covenant. Because when God makes promises under the covenant, there is power in it. So the boy cried and the Lord heard. Not the mother. The boy cried and the Lord heard. And he said to her, What ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. You don't fear. I've heard. And he says, Arise. Lift up the lad. Why? And hold him with your hand, for I will make him a great nation. Why should I make him a great nation? Because I gave his father a promise. When I came to him and I said, your wife Sarah at 90 will bear. He said, he laughed and he said, Sarah, oh, oh Lord, that you would bless Ishmael. He said, okay, but it's Sarah will bear a child and the child's name shall be Isaac. But because you asked, I will bless your son and I will make him a great nation. God says, arise Sarah, Hagar, you have no idea who I am. I'm a God of a covenant and a God who keeps the promise. Arise, you're going to die? You will not die on my watch because I have a promise I gave his father. I will make him a great nation. Arise and lift him up by hand. Power of a promise. The power of a covenant. That's why we study the word. That's why we look into the word. And we have to hear what God has said about our children. And it does not matter whether the boy is crying and the boy is wandering. We go and contend with God and say, you gave me a promise. Stand on your promise. You will turn him back. You will turn him back. You will turn her back. And they will come back. And they will fulfill your purpose in your life. And look at the Bible. Arise and lift. And he will become. Okay, and then. Then God opened her eyes. And she saw a well of water. Look at this. That's what I'm talking. Here is the mother crying. Here is the son crying. And both of them have water dear. They say, we are going to die of thirst. What I'm say, telling you is that if God doesn't open your eyes, your breakthrough could be right under your nose. You will not see it. You will not see it. Much things, as Alexander Pope said, much things in heaven and earth are wrought in prayer. She cried, God answered, opened her eyes and says, you and I have thought water is right over there. You cannot see. That's why Paul's entire prayer is open my eyes. Open our eyes. Give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation that I might know the riches of his glory, the inheritance of the saints. 
Oh, this is a mystery. The mystery of godliness. The mystery of the will of God. The mystery of the fellowship of faith. There are mysteries in the word. Unless he opens our eyes, we will not see it. We will live useless, mundane lives after our salvation because we did not go into a prayer closet and contend with God and said, Lord, show me my purpose. Give me my prophecies and I am going to grow and I will fulfill my purpose. You cannot live like this. Cannot live like this. And you have to look at the cross and say, God paid the life of his son for this life. This life, I will not live like this. I will not live like this. I will grow. I will grow. I will grow. And so God was with the lad. Do you see this guy? Why did he grow? God was with him. It's a promise. God was with the lad, not with the mother. God is not with the mother. God is with the boy. You know what the mother did? Verse 21. He dwelt in the wilderness of Paran and his mother took a wife from him from the land of Egypt. Because the mother never understood this God. For the promise to the father still stands. Promise to the father still stands. These are fundamental issues in the kingdom of God. We have to have our eyes opened. And you have to prepare yourself. Prepare yourself. That's what the whole Bible says, Romans 12, 1 and 12, 1 and 2. Offer your bodies. All the young people sitting over here. Offer your bodies. You are young. You are young. You are not old. You are young. You have a body. I have a Q&A this evening with the Nepali churches around the world and especially Bhutan have any of interesting questions. Young people, it's a youth Q&A. Lots of questions come from the young people. They have questions about food, questions about prasad, questions, lots of questions about cremation, burial, actual situations they face through, secular system to dance or not to dance, sing or not to sing, all kind of questions. And you don't realize every question you have, there's an answer in the word. Every question you have, there's an answer in the word. The question is, will you believe and obey? But I don't have to make them believe. My question is to give the answer. Offer your bodies. Why? So that you can do the will of God. Yeah? Offer your minds so that you can understand the will of God. There's surrender. A surrender of your body. A surrender of your mind. I will not conform to the image of the world. That is sight. I will keep conforming to the image of faith. So that I can understand your good will. I can understand your pleasing will. And I can enter ultimately into your perfect will of God. Then you will be pleased with me. It's not that I am not saved. I know I am saved. But I am running something. Your body. Your mind. Right? Look at the two things the Son of God says when He comes into you. I love it. Hebrews 10, 5 and 7. 10, 5 and 7. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, He said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. What a body. You look at Him. He never falls ill. You look at Him. He can work the whole day. Take a cat nap in the boat in the middle of the sea. Full of faith. And when he wakes up, he reacts always in faith and never in sight. Why are you so afraid? Where is your faith? 
Storm hits. Water is getting into the boat. The boat is capsizing. They shake him and says, Lord, don't you care? We are about to perish. He wakes up. Peaceful. Why? Because that's what he is full of. I know I have shown you that illustration so many times. Last revival meeting also in that church I showed you, right? It is simple. I'm not going to do it. I will take a sip so that you will know what it is. This is full of lime juice, right? If somebody comes and pushes me, it falls on. What falls on me? Why did it fall on me? Yeah, now you know the answer you are saying. Everybody will say because somebody pushed me, it came out. No. Lime juice was in it, that's why it came out. If it was empty, nothing would have come out. You know what comes out of you is what is in you. When storms came, faith came out. Fear came out on one side, faith came out on one. Twelve reacted in fear, one reacted in faith. Because that was what he was full of. So every storm, every test, every trial is for us, not for him. He already knows what we are. It's a test for us. What will you do? How long will you have this? How strong is your faith? One year, two year, three year, four years, five years, six years, seven years, eight years, nine years, ten years. They broke. Sarah said, take Hagar, please. I can't handle this anymore. Too much tension here, boss. And you have an hajira. Now here you are, Isaac and Rebecca gets married. Same problem. Why could, why should all these people with this specific call and promises be all barren? To test their faith so we will learn. There is a promise. Your life may look barren. Your ministry may look barren. Your church may look barren. Don't give up. Don't give up. Stand there and preach by faith. Stand there and don't turn to the left or to the right. Stand there by faith. At the appointed time, you will see fruit. Five years, ten years, fifteen years, twenty years later, the Bible says, I said, prayed. God answered. How long did he pray? 20 years, suddenly you have two nations in the womb. Everything is a trial. Everything is a test to show what is in me and in you. How do we react? It's the problem. When trials comes, when testing comes, does not mean God does not love us. It means he loves us. Because if you do not know what is inside is wrong, is wrong. Okay? It's wrong. When the good students in my classroom, 30, 35 years ago, good ones, when I'm examination hall, when I'm going in, I read. Wrong, sir. I said, I'm not saying anything. I mean, you making this mistake? You? Then they stop and they ponder and they get it. Okay. This is not what it is. Then when the answer sheet comes, I said, I wanted to spank you. You goofing up like that. That's not the answer. You know it. That's not the answer. So it's not to demote us. It is to promote us. Let me ask you this question. Do you want to enter into eternity with all your failures? Do you want to enter into eternity with all your failures? No father wants that. But let me tell you one more one more, and we shall stop. Mahindra, come here. You are sitting there nice with this full grown beard. Come here. Gopi also come. They are all little chudukus now. They are all grown up. Okay. 
Now you can go back and stand there. Okay. Okay. He will jump now. Okay. It's okay. Outside. Down, down. Okay. Okay. You can look. Yeah. You can look at it. Okay. This is Mahender. He goes to college. This is Gopi. He doesn't study at all. He has never gone to school or college. Okay. Now he goes to college or he goes to school or whatever. He studied the whole year and he got 35. Pass mark is 40. He didn't go to school at all and he has no marks. Is there any difference practically between the both of them? Any difference? No. The guy who goes to hell, the guy who goes to heaven without rewards, at rewards level they are the same. He has nothing, he has nothing. Salvation level they are different. Understand this. The fellow who was in the kingdom of God, which is why grace, he didn't have to work for it, admission was free, but who failed, the guy who did not go to the kingdom of God at all, reward level, same. He gets nothing, he gets nothing. Think about eternity. What a waste. What a waste. When the promise is that you can reign with me as I overcame and reigned with the Father. What a waste. Pass Marquis? After one year or 15 years or 16 years of being in college, what is his mark? 35. Can he be promoted? No. Does he get anything? No. Has he ever gone to college? No. What is the difference between the two of them? Same. Thank you, Mahender. Pass, okay? Get facts. Truth in. Get truth in. Get in. We are running a race. We are running a race. Reward level. We don't want to look at the people in hell and say there's no difference between you and me. Salvation level, there is a gulf between the two of us. Because that was free. If we had to work for it, we wouldn't have made that also. Thank God salvation is free. Right? Otherwise, who will make the grade? Your righteousness should exceed the righteousness of the Pharisee. And that Pharisee called Saul of Tarsus, Apostle Paul says, according to the law, I was blameless. <laughs> who, who will make it among us? Nobody. So we shall stand up as we close. Keep these things in your mind. Keep these things in your mind. A body you prepared for me. Prepare your bodies, young people. Eat healthy. Eat healthy. Exercise. Energy levels, keep it good. Because God needs a body. Anything God has to do, He needs a body. He needs a body. The body you prepared for me, and here I come to do your will. It is written in the volume of the book about me. The body for the will. Are you getting it? That is the Son of God. That is the Son of God. And you will run long. And you will run well. Body, the mind, given to God. And God says, you don't worry. At every stage I have appointed people for you. I know from myself how many people he appointed for me. Every step. People to protect me. People to take care of me. People to guard me in my life, my house, when I travel. Every people, if I were to tell the names, would blow your minds off. But I didn't do anything. They just met me on my path. I never sought anybody. Even this pulpit, the first time to preach. I was a rookie studying in Iflo. 
I was a student in the church. And there were big guns in the church, like World Vision chairman and world, not chairman, heads and all kind of ministry heads in the church. And then in 1994, when I was studying, the pastor comes to me suddenly and says, next Sunday I'm going to Singapore. Next Sunday you will preach. I said, I preach? He said, I've never preached in my life. Never preached in my life. You know what it's called? It's favor. Because my destiny met me. I didn't seek it. I would have never sought ever an opportunity to preach because I was never confident about speaking. Never, ever confident about speaking. I was a stammerer when it comes to speaking English. Never, ever confident. And when that pastor called me, that Sunday when I stand over there, I realized this is what I was born for. The pulpit. Not as a great preacher, I realized this is my calling. I didn't look for my calling. The calling came to me. The anointing came to me. People came to me. And it's still coming to me in my life. All you have to do is keep your face like a flint and pursue God. Pursue God. That's all you have to do. Pursue God. And all those who are married, you're called as a unit. Look unto Abraham and Sarah who bore you. Be one unit and you are called. Pray. Your husband discovers his call and say, I am 100% behind you. I am behind you. Got it, young ladies? Let's pray. Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. We come to you, we come to you, we come to you, Lord. The author and the finisher of our fate. I pray, Father, our eyes will be upon you because you are the author. What you begin, you finish. What you have not begun, you will not finish. What you build, you watch. And I pray, Lord, you not only begin, you will build and you will watch over our lives. And I pray, Father, nobody here, nobody standing here in your house will go through this year without discovering their purpose. It does not have to be a big purpose or a small purpose. There's nothing like that in the kingdom. As Milton said, Lord, that Puritan poet, they also serve who stand and wait. Mary's purpose, entire purpose in life was to lend her womb for the will of God. Hannah's purpose, entire purpose in life was to birth and we, a child, would stand before God and serve Him. That was their purpose. Every one of them. And that purpose changed their life and the history of their generation. And I pray, Father, everyone standing here would discover purpose. They would magnify your word above everything else. They'll be able to stand on your word and tell it is written. In the volume of the book, it is written about me. And Lord, here I am. I've come to do your will. Then it doesn't matter what job you have. Because you know your work is defined. It doesn't matter. You are a doctor or an engineer. Whether you are a plumber or an electrician. It does not matter. Because you know. Your work has been defined. By God. Wherever you have been placed. And as you study your word. You will discover. The purposes of God. You will 
Discover people meeting you at different points in your life. You will discover anointing increasing over your life. You discover all that you searched in the world coming to you free. Honor will come. Glory will come. Respect will come. Riches will come. All that you need to fulfill God's purpose, it will meet you on the way. As you told Moses, take the rod with you. And with that rod, you will bring my people out. You will do those miracles. You just need that rod. My authority, my power, my strength, my call upon your life. And anything that looks ordinary like this rod will do it. All you need is me with you. And that promise still stands. My presence shall go with you. And I will give you rest. 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 Speak rest. I speak peace. I speak purpose. I speak progress. I speak progress in the lives of people. Everyone will grow. Not in stature alone, but in wisdom. They will grow in favor with God. And favor with man. Touch. Touch your people. Let there be a divine impartation of faith today, Lord. Let somebody believe. Somebody believe. Somebody receive that word. And be able to say, let it be unto me according to your word. Here I am. The Lord's handmaiden. Here I am, the Lord's servant. Let it be unto me according to your word. So God is looking for ordinary men and women. He's called the foolish, the poor, the ignoble of this world to confound the wise. And those who are poor, the Bible says, he has made them rich in faith. Rich in faith. It does not matter what you are poor in. Be rich in faith. Because through faith, you subdue kingdoms. Through faith, they wrought righteousness. Through faith, the walls of Jericho came down. Through faith, Jacob leaned on his staff and blessed the nations. Through faith, Abraham left his father's household. Through faith, and he has made us rich in faith. Those who are poor, does not matter. Rich in faith. And I pray, Father, there will be an impartation of faith in the lives of your people. And they will arise and arise to their destiny. As the Lord said through his prophet Isaiah, arise for your light has come. Arise. The glory of the Lord is shining upon you. Arise. Your light has come. Let light come into some life today. Touch father, touch. Let there be deliverance in the house of God. Let there be healing in the house of God. Let there be a manifestation of the power of God in the lives of your people. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. It is a matter of power. Touch. Touch. Strengthen weak knees. Strengthen weak hands. Let them lift it up. And say... Let the redeemed of the Lord say so.
Say so. I am the redeemed of the Lord. I am the redeemed of the Lord. I have been redeemed and I have a purpose and I will fulfill the purpose of God in my life. My life will not be a waste. It will not be a waste. It will be written about me as it was written about David. David fulfilled God's purpose in his generation and then he rested with his fathers. Say it without fear. I will not rest with my fathers until I have fulfilled God's purpose in my life. In my generation. And from generation to generation, they will sing of the works of the Lord in my life. Touch your young ones, Lord. Touch your old ones, Lord. There is none too young or too old, O Father. None, 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 Lord. Everyone fulfill the purpose of God in their lives. Let them grow in favor. Let them grow in favor. Let them grow in wisdom. Let them grow, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Stand in your house. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. And we proclaim in your house, thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. And all God's people said in Jesus' name, Amen, Amen, Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen, amen, amen.